Happy New Year, and welcome to our first episode of 2021 and our third episode in our Brave Mom series. If this is your first episode in the Brave Mom series, just a reminder to go listen to episode 30 first so you can hear the whole setup introduction of why this series refers to the book of Joshua and why I wanted to do the Brave Mom series. I have appreciated your all's feedback on this series so much. Your words for how it's affected you have really inspired me. And you guys, recording these with Sarah and Jeanette and today's guest Cindy just filled me up so much. I always <laughs> get these incredible interview guests and I leave feeling like, wow, that just made my day. I can't believe how much goodness I feel right now. I can't believe how blessed I am by this conversation, how it's affected me and wow, could it even get better? And I feel like every time I interview a new guest, it gets better and better. It's so amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear our lineup for 2021 already. But today we're talking about Cindy and it's a long interview. I didn't want to edit too much because you will hear just how great it is. Here's what I want to leave you with before we start. As you listen to Cindy's interview, think of this theme. You all I know you come into these podcasts sometimes or other people's podcasts and you think, wow, gosh, that person's so great. They're doing so many great things. How could I ever do this? I mean, Cindy started a soup kitchen in suburban northern Kentucky. I don't know that I could ever do that. I'm just doing my job at home, taking care of the kids. How brave and courageous is that? But here's what I want you guys to see and hear and feel through this interview is that God doesn't call us to what the world calls greatness with these big explosive fireworks and all at once. It is little baby step after baby step. And it's also our yes after yes after yes. It's in the small moments. It's in the small things that may seem just insignificant, but we keep saying yes and we keep putting one foot in front of the other and God leads us. He directs our path and he puts the people that that he needs to use in our path so that we can be used. And I think you'll see in her story that this is real life. What you are doing in your corner of the world is significant, you guys. It is. I want you to sit there right now and not compare yourself. I want you to walk away thinking, yes, Lord, you can use me too. I know you will use me. This is amazing. I just need to be ready to say yes. Today's guest for our Brave Mom series is Cindy Karras. She lives in Northern Kentucky with her husband where they raised their four daughters who are now grown, bringing her three son-in-laws and five grandchildren. Cindy is the executive director and vice president of the Mary Rose Mission, which is a soup kitchen in Florence, Kentucky, but it brings way more than just food to these beautiful guests. Savor everything Cindy says in this interview, you all, because it is simply beautiful. 
Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to families that stick together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted. Turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project. Maybe don't look at the sink and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome friend with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Cindy, I am really, really excited to have you here to share your story of being a brave mom. Thank you. All right. So Cindy and I know each other. We go way back. I actually met you when I was in high school and started babysitting your girls who are now (laughs) grown up, beautiful girls, married with their own families. Three of them are, and we are past crossed again. When I saw a sweet Karis girl in one of my U S history classes, when I was a high school teacher. So that was awesome. And then of course our paths have crossed again on Curcia retreats. And Cindy, I've just been excited to have you here today to share your story about the Mary Rose mission in Florence, Kentucky, and what that has meant to you in your journey to answer God's call and be a brave mom when I know it wasn't easy. So I'd love for you to just share with our audience today what this is all about, why I even chose you and asked you to be a part of our Brave Moms series this week. Well, thank you. Um, First of all, it's so funny um, when I, when you um, told me what this was about, I'm seeing Brave Mom. um, I was sort of taken back. So I don't really, I've never considered it being bravery, you know, um, but it was just so interesting. So thinking about it on that side, it has been, um, it has just been a, an incredible adventurous journey. I, it started when uh, my kids were young, young, and I was a stay-at-home mom. I was blessed to be able to be a stay-at-home mom. And I made a retreat. And I think as a mother, it's just so funny as a mother, I feel like I was, we are groomed to be giving individuals. I mean, right. We give and give and give. I mean, you are so tired and so exhausted. And by golly, if somebody needs help, you just run and help. You don't even give it a second of thought. So I feel like as moms were sort of groomed in that um, from the time, you know, we give birth, you know, and we have these babies that, that need so much attention. So going forward, um, as my kids got a little bit older, and I was sort of a fallen away Catholic. Matter of fact, it was so funny. Um, in my immaturity, I blamed it on, you know, I was sort of stuck in the Vatican too. People didn't know what to teach. The church was changing so rapidly, you know, yada, yada, yada. And really what the fact, the fact of, of, of it is, I was not open to hear God. I just wasn't open. I wasn't listening. I wanted it, I wanted life pretty much my way on my terms. And, uh, you know, good cafeteria Catholic, I would pray when I needed something. And then when things were going good, he was on the back burner. 
And so um, I was blessed enough when my kids were still young. Actually, I only had three children, my three daughters at the time. And I made a uh, retreat called Christ Your News's Parish that absolutely rocked my world. And I got a glimpse, just a glimpse of how much God loves us. And that love can just, love changes everything. And then I remember thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm only here. And I was lucky because I grew up in a, in a pretty devout family, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, we always went to church and you know, it was very important to my family to send us to Catholic schools. And like I said, not being open, I took that for granted. And so here I am as an adult, and I'm thinking there's so many people out there like me, oh my gosh, that just don't know about God's love. Because when you have a glimpse of God's love, you will stop at nothing. You won't st- and not even give it a second of thought. It just becomes second nature that you will do whatever he wants you to do. And whatever you think he wants you to do, you just will not stop. I spent a year and a half trying to evangelize because I just wanted everybody I want everybody I knew and care about. Like, for instance, if I see a really good movie, the first thing I do is like, you got to watch this movie. It is so good. But this is so much more grand. It's God. And if you, you don't know how much he loves you, but I didn't know how to express that to the people around me. And I, I became incredibly frustrated. And I think I turned people away from God because I was trying to beat it into them about how much God loves us and how we just have to follow him. We got to be open to him. And his way is the only way to happiness. Fortunately, I think I always joke about saying God saw how much I was screwing things up that he sent me on a Crucia weekend. And then I got it. I learned how to evangelize. I knew there was a lot of references to Mother Teresa on the weekend that I made about how much she loved. And so spurned on by Mother Teresa and knowing that how much she loved and how much she changed people just by loving them. You know, she didn't care about where they lived, who they're from, how they, she didn't care about anybody, anything about that. She just saw them as a child of God and she loved, and that's what changes people. So that's what started my quest, I always say. But like I said, my kids were still young and in school. So I was, you know, doing homework after school and I tried to get involved in little things along the way. And I was a stay-at-home mom at the same token I was also listening to Kimberly Hahn cassettes and trying to feed myself. I I, um, attended Familia, which is a study of family on Pope John Paul II's um, encyclicals on family life. And um, I started this hunger for my faith. And really, it was in that time that I started a devotion to the Blessed Mother. I struggled with the Blessed Mother. I never knew where she stood. I mean, if you're going to pray, why would you not go right to the source? You pray to Jesus. And then I started, I had several friends that had terrific devotions to the Blessed Mother, so we would always talk about in prayer for it. Finally got it. Um, I read something and said, who knows a son? Who knows a son more than a mother? And I can take you closely to my son in ways that you can't even fathom. So then I started my devotion. I consecrated myself to the Blessed Mother. And that's when life got very interesting. Um, that's when he led me. You know, my kids got older. And I knew I had to get back. I knew I needed to evangelize. I had to tell people about God. I had to, and, and it wasn't about for, it wasn't for me that I could share that with them, but I knew how much better your life can be if you follow God. You know, we don't know how good life is until we have Jesus Christ in our life. So that's when, when it, it all sort of began. Cindy, that's a beautiful story. I am listening to you and our audience is going to range from people with young kids to 
middle school teenagers, maybe grown out of the home. When you look back, do you just see these years upon years of transformation and slow baby steps or in a waiting period? Or do you feel like every part was just, you know, like just crafted by the master to be, to put you in the right place at the right time? Or did you feel like you were, you kept waiting for something big. And I ask you, because we are here to talk about you essentially being called to start the Mary Rose Mission Soup Kitchen in a suburban area of Northern Kentucky. But I'm asking because I think as mothers, we sit here thinking, what is God calling me to do? Am I supposed to do something grand? I, I, feel like I want to do this, but I'm at home with my babies raising them. And I'd love for you to talk on that, Cindy, just that being right where you're supposed to be and it's still being significant. I mean, you talked about Mother Teresa. She's all about doing small things with great love. And so share on that because I, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't want moms to feel discouraged. Oh, I have to go do something grand. No, start where you are. God will use you. Absolutely. So it was interesting. So I knew when my kids were, were young and at home, um, that's where I needed to be. It's so interesting, even the, even the points. And then when they got older and I had a chance, matter of fact, my two older kids were in seventh and eighth grade in grade school. And um, I kept on trying to do different things and, and, and I wouldn't be accepted or um, the position would be filled. And I'm talking about like a Girl Scout leader. Um, I'm talking about like just things even with, with school. And, um, and I kept on thinking, I know, I, I know I can do this. Right. And then it would, the position would be full. So I remember there was like some times of frustration that I just felt like saying, I know I got to be out there, but I just don't know like, really? Like, tell me now. And I'm very impatient. That's one of my, my character flaws, maybe, but also one of my greatest strengths, because I don't give up. But um, just, just wanting, and it was interesting when I have found out a teacher approached me, and she told me about the Mary Rose mission. And honestly, she told me at that time, we had a hospice in Covington. And she was telling me about this. And, and she said, I could just really picture you doing this. And mind you, a hospice, free of charge, because at that time, there weren't really free any free hospices. There wasn't any place where, especially in, in our society, it is not uncommon for you raise your kids and they move out of town and then all of a sudden you're terminally ill. And what, what to do, right? So they would go to the Mary Rose Mission. Um, Sandy Rasmussen founded the Mary Rose Mission. And when they Can I interject about, real quick, Cindy? Yes. Can you say for our listeners how it started off, this is the hospice area? Like this was not a soup kitchen at first. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so the Mary Rose Mission was a hospice in Covington, which is right outside Cincinnati. It, it's a um, it's an urban you know setting, but somebody donated a house and they would care for one to two people that were terminally ill and had really no one else to care for them. So this teacher approaches me, this teacher who was very good to my children. I had two my two oldest kids have learning disabilities that weren't diagnosed until a lot later. So this teacher was very good and loving to my kids. And so I, it's so funny when somebody does something for your kids, don't you always feel like I owe them something, you know, thank you so much. Cause thank you. Isn't enough. When you help my child, I am yours forever type thing. So she, so she came to me, she said, I've got this pamphlet at the Mary Rose mission. I could really see you doing this. We're a hospice. We care for these people. And the beauty of this is sometimes you're the last person they see before they meet Jesus. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And she said, I could really see you doing this. And I thought, oh gosh, thank you. I'll send you the information. And there's an orientation if you'd like to go see, but I just think this is perfect for you. I said, thanks. And I remember turning around thinking, she's crazy. I don't do this kind of stuff. This is so not me. I am not a nurse. I don't, to be around dying people, that is so out of my comfort zone, right? There was absolutely no way I was going to be involved in this. That's where my mind was. But my heart was telling me this person who helped my child, two of my children, um, how could I say no to her? But I would definitely go check it out because I owe her this and I care for her and I respect her. I went and I thought, I am doing this. I can do this. And the thought of being God's loving hands, loving touch before they meet God in heaven, I thought, I mean, that's the great evangelization, right? I mean, you might... Um, and that's, I remember people tell me in the orientation, she said, some people come in here and they do not know God. And how scary would that be? Oh my gosh, you're dying. And you don't know if there's anything out there. And you've, I mean, some people live 50, 60, 70 years, never knowing God. And now here they are at the end of their life. And you can be that just God's loving hands. I thought I'm, I'm doing this. And, it's, and here's another thing, which I, I think is so good is I will can go kicking and screaming at times. But when God is involved, the road is so easily traveled. He just leads you. And sometimes, like I like at the time, I saw part of myself kicking and screaming, but I just felt, as soon as I went through the orientation, I signed up for every Wednesday. I would do this. And, and it worked out because I still had kids in school. So my kids left at 6.20. I would leave at 6.30, get to work at 7, work from 7 until noon on Wednesday and be home before, well before the kids got off the bus. So I thought, this is going to work. I can do this. And at the same token, never having experience and, and never having any idea that I would ever do anything like this. Um, it was so funny. A friend of mine told me the saying, you know, God calls, uh, doesn't call it qualified. He qualifies the call. And I thought, wow, what a that's me, right? And I'm thinking, I had no qualifications, except I knew how to love. I'm a mom. I know how to love people. And, um, and then being there, I saw people come in scared and frightened and hurting physically and spiritually and mentally and just so fearful. And, and what I saw is when you serve with the heart and hands of Christ, people change. They change. Mountains move. And, and within a very few short time, I mean days, when you serve people with the heart and hands of Christ 24-7, people change. And you don't even have to talk about Christ. They know him. And they, they, and they let him come into their lives. And seeing that over and over again, the power of witnessing God's love, how people change, I thought, this is the great evangelization. All you got to do is love them. Really? That's all you got to do. I mean, I mean, not that I mean, I want to know my faith. I've got this hunger, this absolute hunger to grow deeper and deeper in my faith and to learn more. But ultimately, all that learning, it has to do one thing, and that's to fire my love for others. And if it does anything but that, then I'm on the wrong path. And so that's what, that's what spurred me on with the Mary Rose mission. And then our hospice closed. There's a, a hospital, great big hospital in, in the area, St. E's, and they opened up a huge hospice 
after coming to the Mary Rose Mission, seeing how we did things, which I thought was pretty cool because we're this small little place and here's Big Sandy's coming in and, and we're showing them around. And then they open up their big hospice, which sort of put us out of business in a good way because we can only care for one or two people. So then at that time, the founders and the Mary Rose Mission, I mean, they're, we're looking at what do we do next? Now, mind you, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. You know, all their kids, they're getting to the point where they sort of want to retire. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm prime. My kids are now in high school or older. I mean, they, they do not need me here 24-7. I mean, you know, I always, I always made a point to be home when they got home from school because I wanted to make sure when they came in that door that they would say, hey, mom. And if they and normally, 90% of the time, they'd say, hey, mom, and go to the room or whatever. But occasionally, if they wanted to sit down and talk, I wanted to be there. I was like, what's next, though? I've seen too many people, too many miracles happen. I've seen too many people that knew nothing about God in a short time come to know God and be filled and they're suffering filled with joy. And I thought, man, I, I mean, I'm not done. I'm just getting started. So um, uh, we also, the Mary Rose Mission also had a small mission in Grenada in the West Indies. And the bishop would come in, the bishop of Grenada would come in town once a year and uh, we'd have a little fundraiser for our mission in Grenada. And so um, during that he would be here for a week. And during that week, several, you know, different people would take him out to dinner and uh, show him around town, that kind of thing. And so we got the honor one night of taking uh, Bishop Darius out to, um, out to dinner. And so we showed him a couple of places in Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. And, and so, like I said, I'm antsy because I know God's, I got to do something, God, this is my time, man, this is it. So I'm out with Bishop Darius and, and he said, you know, I was up all night. I'm worried about the Mary Rose mission. And I said, me too. And he said, you know, if you don't have active ministry, the Mary Rose mission will die. I said, I know. And he said, um, I was up all night long. And he said, I just thought of it. And he pointed his finger at me and he said, you need to start a soup kitchen. I went, ah, and so saying, I know I sort of was like, Oh, and my husband jumped in. He said, she can do it. This will be great. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Now, and mind you, in Grenada, it's a little bit different culture. He said, you just go to a parking lot and start making soup and sandwiches and start and bring the Mary Rose mission. And I thought, okay, but I'm thinking, this is the US. We don't do things like that. I mean, we can't just go to a parking lot and start feeding people. I mean, there's the board of health, there's zoning, there's, I mean, there's like rules that we have to live by. And so I'm thinking, okay, this will be interesting. But my husband was all fired up and I'm thinking, okay, this is cool. Cause we can now, because of our kids ages, we can now do something together. And Cindy, to give minister. us a timeline real quick. How old were your girls at this time? Um, Natalie would have been, let me think. Natalie would have been maybe a senior in high school. Um, and Olivia would have been, or maybe she might have even been in college. Olivia, I think, was in sophomore, uh, sophomore, junior in high school, sophomore in high school. My okay, so you felt free to just kind oh. of be used in a whole new way, a even though percent. soup kitchen probably wasn't your first thought. Not, soup kitchen wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even in the same galaxy of what my thinking of what I would be doing. And so um, I'm thinking, okay, a soup kitchen. And my husband's all fired up. He's thinking, this, Cindy, this could be really cool. And I've always wanted to own a restaurant. I go, not me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is, but I've been told by a, bit, by a bishop 
to start a soup kitchen. I mean, I can't, who am I to say no, right? He's prayed about this. Who am I? So I remember going to the board meeting and um, I was on the board of directors then. And I said, um, and, you know, we're talking about the fundraiser. We're talking about some business and we're still searching, you know, what to do next. And without a clear, and we always pray about, you know, doing everything. And so, but we couldn't get a clear vision of where the future of the Mary Rose mission would be. So here I am, the youngest on the board. The other board members have started the Mary Rose mission together collectively. And they've been doing this, you know, for 10 years or so and 10 or 15 years. And, and here I am, the young kid on the block and with the least amount of experience saying, you know, it's interesting because Bishop Darius said um, uh, maybe you should start a soup kitchen. And they went, oh, no way. I said, I know. I just, he just thought it'd be, you know, that's something that the Mary Rose Mission could do and to bring a lot of people into whatever, volunteers, bring, you know, bring Christ to others. And they went, oh, Cindy, we don't know the first thing, maybe a pantry. And I said, okay, I'm thinking I did my part. Well, no, I don't think that, I mean, the work and I, I mean, where would we even go? How do we even start? All the questions. And I just thought I am off the hook because I'm scared right now because I'm thinking, I don't know the first thing, right? So I'm excited and yet scared um, because I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I left the meeting early because I had to pick up my daughter from school. And if I leave the board meeting and I remember telling my husband, I called my husband on my cell phone. Cell phones were very young at the time. Not everybody had them. That's how long ago this was. And I said, nope, they turned it down. He said, oh, Cindy, I'm out. I don't want to, I mean, I, you know, I, I just thought it would be fun. I mean, I'm out. I don't want to, I don't want to, like I said, because I'm looking at something we can do together. I said, I'm out. And I said, okay. And I said, I know, I don't know what we're going to do. And, um, and I said, I had to leave early. So they're still talking about it, whatever. The next thing I know, I, I get a call from the founder, beeped in. I said, hey, Sandy's calling me. I got to go. So I picked up Sandy. I said, Sandy, the founder of the Mary Rose Mission. She said, funniest thing, you left. We started talking about it. And we think this is a great idea. And basically a you go girl, get some information and we're going to meet in a month. I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And here's, I also have these like dreams of grandeur. I mean, I'm picturing like hundreds of people and it's going to be a party. We're going to have so much fun. It's going to be the best food ever. And I'm just like, I just go way big in my thinking. And, um, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great. So I start doing research. Of course, I call the, the best soup kitchen in the Northern Kentucky area. And I asked, I met with them and I said, Hey, we're, you know, we would like to do open a soup kitchen, but you know, where, cause you're, you've got this area covered. Right. And he, and I'll never forget this Molly Navin who worked with Perry's kitchen over 27 years, I think 30 years before she retired. She said, you people in suburbia, you think the poor only live in the cities. And she goes, they are right in front of you and you don't even see them. And it shook me up. And I thought, really? And here's what's so, here's how God works for me. He gives me a whisper. Two months before this, my daughter's a student teacher at, um, at a, there, it's a, a, it's a very poor school district. And she came home. She said, mom, you're not going to believe this. These kids, she was, it was on Monday. She said, these kids haven't eaten since Friday lunch. It's Monday. She goes, I'm trying to teach. And they keep on asking me, when's lunch? When's lunch? When's lunch? 
And I go, you're kidding. She said, yes, because I'm not. So she started taking granola bars and stuff in the school. And immediately I thought, that's crazy. And then I thought, no, she's got to be wrong, right? I'm thinking, that can't be. That can't be. That's five minutes from our front door. There's no way. And then that happened with Molly Navin. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're right in front of me and I don't even see them. Right. And that and it shook me up. So she said, you know, you need to go to Boone County. You need to go to Florence. That's where they need you. Covington, where this is, this is too far because they can't walk here. And I'm thinking, walk. There's people that, that have to walk to get something to eat. You know, they can't drive. They can't afford a bus. You know, they have to walk. So that's when we started looking in Florence. And then so and then I started to get the numbers where 30% of Boone County School. 30% of the children are on government-subsidized meals, 30%. And that's only the people that aren't too proud to ask, right? Because there are those people that are embarrassed at their situation. And I thought, this is, this is five minutes from my front door. How do I not know this? So that's when we decided to open up the soup kitchen. And then, um, and that's where, we, that's where we knew we had to be. We had to be in this area. So surely, Cindy, this, <laughs> this was a scary transition of what you thought you were being called to do at moments when you thought, were there ever times where you felt like, I, I cannot, I want to ignore your call, Lord, but I, I have to say yes, I, I, I cannot ignore this. I, I know that my yes is what you are begging for right now. I think when after the board, because it was so funny, and I think again, it is so. I always take a mantra for my life every year, and this past year has been every hair on your head has been numbered. So God knows exactly how to move me. He really does. So I was so excited and sort of fearful about the soup kitchen when Bishop Darius did that, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm scared to death. And then the reality of how big of a project this was going to be and how much I didn't know. I mean, around every corner, I found out more that I didn't know. But when the board said no, that was, I was so sad and disappointed that that's, I almost needed the no to sit there and say, oh my gosh, then now what then? You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I, I had myself ready to take on the challenge. And then, but for them to say no, it was like, I could have done this. I know, because I can do all things through God who gives me strength. I know I wouldn't be able to do it, but God could do it. And I just have to be open. So like all this stuff was going through my head. Then when she called back and said, hey, it's a go, you go, girl. I'm thinking, oh, I, we got this. This is so God. I love your story so much for obviously so many reasons, but I think it's cool that we're comparing this to the book of Joshua and how many times through 24 chapters in that book, I mean, God opens up saying, you better be strong and courageous. You got this. You can do it. But he keeps reminding him through every single battle he has to face. It it keeps saying over and over, be strong. Don't give up. I'm with you. And it's so neat because hearing your story, just sitting here listening, every step of the way from you going to your Christ Renews His Parish retreat all the way up to the bishop calling you, saying you should do this, to them calling you back. It's like, this was God saying, it's okay, I got you. Be yeah. brave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make 
this path open a little more for you. And I'm going to give you the courage to keep going. So thank you for sharing every single step. It's, it's so neat to hear it transpire and to see that it's not like, boom, you got it. You can do this. It's, it's building blocks throughout the whole journey. Absolutely. It was cool. I know when um, we finally, it took us a while to find a building that we could afford and um, we were sort of searching around. And I remember, you know, meeting with different people and trying to, you know, I'm, I'm sort of begging and I'm not even knowing what I'm asking for. Like people said, where are you going to get your food? I don't know. Where are you going to get your workers? I don't know. Who's going to cook for you? I don't know. And I remember, and I found out like a, like a fellow parishioner, I remember here and they said, he goes, oh, this will never happen. And I just remember thinking, I thought, I get it, but it's going to happen. I just don't know. Because right now, I don't need cooks. I need drywall. I need an address. You know what I mean? I, I don't need food. I need lighting fixtures. You know what I mean? So it was like, so God only gave, gave, he gave me what I needed when I needed it and not too early and not too late. And so um, I remember when we, when we got the building, it was um, the biggest, I was probably the most afraid. So we looked around, it took us like two years to find a building two or gosh, maybe even over two years. And I, and I kept saying, I need an address. I can't sell people. I can't get people to support an idea. I have to have an address, an address, and then people can see that it will happen because, you know, we're trying to raise money and, and stuff. And we find a building and it was in terrible shape. I mean, electric was hanging from the ceilings. The floors were dirt in some places. Um, it was just, it was, it was falling over literally. And I thought, oh my gosh, this place could be so cute, you know? And I finally get a couple of friends who worked in construction and I had one of them, one of a good friend. He said, Cindy, you need to go to them and they need to give you $10,000 and the building. And thank you for taking the building off their hands. <laughs> and I said, I know, but can't you just see it's going to be so cute? You know, it's good because it's like a house. It's shaped like a house. It looks like a house. And, and I remember thinking, so we finally get all the inspections and it's a, when we knew it was a, it was in terrible shape when we, we did it, but that's what we could afford. And we knew, and we finally negotiate for the sale of the building. We go to buy it. And the day before we have to sign, and I, I'll never forget when we did it, it was my birthday. We were going to sign actually buy the building on my birthday. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's like a rebirth. It's like, um, and this is, this is my, this is what God has called me to do. You know, I thought this is it. I knew it. I knew it in my heart of hearts because people, you know, I don't. I don't really like to cook. And here I am going to own a like a soup kitchen. And, and I'll never forget the day before we went to another soup kitchen in the area in, the, in another County when we were like, just looking at anybody just to see how they did stuff so we could learn. And I remember getting in the car and I was with three friends who were all helping at the time. Cause I started to incorporate friends. Hey, I need help. You want to help? Sure. You know? And so, and I started sobbing, crying because I had the overwhelming pressure of what have I done? And I'm responsible. I still get choked up. I am responsible. Who am I? And I remember sobbing and my friends were like, are you okay? I am sobbing almost hysterically in the car. It's, I just got to go. And I went home. I put on running clothes. I went for a run I, and I ran up to our parish, which had adoration. It was on a Thursday. And I just went adoration asking God, like, I don't want to do this. Like, please let something happen. I mean, I, I know I can't do this. I mean, I was so afraid. And um, my husband came home from work that day and I said, I'm scared to death. I don't think I can do this. I can't, I'm responsible. I mean, the boards have um, given me this responsibility and, and 
and and there's money involved. I mean, we're buying a building and who am I to think I can do this? And I was up all night and I woke up and I woke up and I, um, I opened up my morning prayers and the first scripture I read is take courage. It is I do not be afraid. And I cried and there was just overwhelming peace. Thank you. You're right. I know I can't do it. God's going to do it. I just have to, you know, walk the walk. He'll do it. And I just, the overwhelming peace, I thought, oh my gosh, this is actually, this is happening. And it's just me being, me just saying yes. And God will, God will do it. Wow. There, I mean, I started to get teared up here when <laughs> you said the who am I part, because gosh, I can relate to that so much. And I think so many of us moms can in, in so many, in so many ways, the small moments, the big moments. And, you know, something you said, Cindy, was um, you said, when God is involved, the road is so much easier. And how many times do we struggle as moms to let him in and just fully surrender? But when we do, we see that he does just say that, just have courage. I, I will be here. Let me in. You just have to just go, right? Another thing that I think is cool is that in one of these other Brave Mom series, we talked about the exact same wording that you said where God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I, I think that's not what the world tells us. The world says, oh, you have to be good at this, be an expert at this get this degree, be trained in this. And, and it's quite the opposite. God would rather use just someone who just loves him and wants to surrender. So I think your story is so much of that and exactly what I think we need to be sharing with moms instead of what the world is trying to tell us. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. So Cindy, you just told us that you were scared to take on this building, this big responsibility, and you open your Bible and you read this. So tell us what happens next. So um, we, we go and we, you know, we buy the building and, um, and then, you know, like what, what's next? And I had already done, I've been doing research, talking to the Board of Health, and I've done research, talking to zoning and, and all that. So we got all of our ducks in the row. That's what we, we do. Um, we do make sure we put our ducks in a row. You know what I mean? We, we make sure we do, we have to follow the laws of, of what we have to do, right? That's part of, um, you know, we have to be honest and upfront. So, um, so here we are, we're building. And so it takes us a while. Of course, we, you know, we run out of money and then we get money. And so we're doing things right away. And then, um, like I said, we, we were, we started collecting groceries because we got antsy. It's like year two, you know, and we're, we're trying to piecemeal this building together. And uh, we started collecting groceries out in the parking lot. And we did that from, for like 10 months. And we would collect groceries and then we would take them to these local hotels that are more residences. I mean, for people that, you know, don't have a place to go. So, and we would take groceries to them. And uh, because we just had to start doing something. Here's the problem with starting this. A problem for us was you want to do, Right. And, and construction isn't what you're there to be doing. You want to help people. 
So being anxious and we started, you know, collecting groceries and delivering them to people. And that, that sort of opened our eyes. That was our, I feel like our training wheels to see um, people that were hurting. And here's another thing. We can't fix people either. You know, all we can do, all the minute, all the Mary Rose mission does is we love as to God loves, right? We love as God loves. That's our motto. So it's almost frustrating because you, we think we can help somebody in to changing their life and we can't i can't i can love them and hopefully god will change your life or give them their courage or give them what they need to change your life but i cannot change another human being but i can love them so that was our training wheels so when we finally opened our doors i'll never forget because i was actually cleaning the floors on my hands and knees with my knees and we were listening to christian music and you know construction was over we're about ready to open and And I kept on telling her, I said, but there's something missing here. I don't know what we're doing because I want them to make sure they understand that it's God who's doing this, not us. And, and so all it was my niece. She said, you know, what you might want to do is maybe by the, where they leave by the exit, have somebody that um, will ask them, do you have anything you would like us to pray for? And I went, that's the missing link that they know what they tell us, that we love them so much that we are going to pray for their intentions. And I mean, and you hear, and we do, we hear it a lot. And also it gives them an opportunity to sometimes just to talk to people because what we found out, I mean, we thought we were going to, we didn't know what kind of person, we didn't know the people that were going to be coming to us. And it is a soup kitchen for lack of a better term, but we I mean, we've had, we've had a young girl. She said, I know what this is. This is a holy restaurant. I go, that's what it is. It's a holy restaurant. You know, she said, you get to come here and people pray with you. And then we get food. And I said, yes, that's exactly what this is. So by giving people a chance to say, do you have any intentions you would like us to pray for? It was, it, sometimes it's, and you hear serious stuff. Like, I'll never forget the day I was working the exit door. It was after it had rained, like, you know, three or four days, you know, when there's real terrible rains that floods everything. Well, our, ba- our basement flooded right before I find it, right before I have to go into work to work a shift. And I'm frustrated and I'm ticked off. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh my gosh. And our basements have flooded. Tim's like, you go, I'll take care of it. And I go into work and I'm like, I, last place I want to be is here. But I'm sitting there at the door and I'm talking to our guests and I love our guests. I love them. I just love every single one of them. And I'll never forget um, one of our guests comes up, one of our regulars. And he said, I said, do you have any intentions you would like us to pray for? First of all, how is your dinner? It was great. Do you have any intentions you'd like us to pray for? He said, you know, yeah, um, I like it to stop raining. I go, yeah, right. He said, oh, yes. He said, everything I own is wet. Everything he owns is wet. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what does that mean? That means his socks, his shoes, his bedding, all of his clothes, all of his blankets, everything he owns is wet and it's getting cold out. It's cool. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go home. My basement will be almost clean, cleaned up. I'm going to get into my dry bed, eat at my dry table, go to my dry pantry, pull out dry food, cook my dinner, go to bed and get my dry clothes on my dry pajamas on and go to sleep. And I was just, again, I thought, oh my gosh, he was Christ to me. I'm thinking, how much do I have? And totally I'm ungrateful. And what he needs, and it's it's survival. I mean, you have to, you can't wear wet socks. Your skin will break down and it's dangerous, you know, and he's living a dangerous life. And he said, I just want to pray that it stops raining. 
never asking for sympathy or empathy or like, oh, woe is me. The, the reality of, I just needed to stop raining. And I thought, oh my gosh, but praying for people, right? I said, we'll pray for you, you know? And that started. And, and then I had a guest one time, I was coming into work and she said, uh, what are you doing? I said, I got to go in. I got to go pray. She said, what do you mean? I said, oh, we always pray together, all the volunteers, before we open our doors. He said, why don't you pray with us out here? And I went, oh, great idea. So I, t- I told all the volunteers inside, I said, hey, guys, we're going to go outside and pray with our guests in line. So we passed out prayer sheets and we prayed this uh, radiating Christ prayer that uh, Mother Teresa prays with the sisters, uh, missionaries of charity pray every day after mass. And um, we pray that prayer and a, another prayer um, from scripture. And we pray St. Michael the Archangel defend us in battle, right? Every day is a battle. And uh, we go outside and we pray with our guests in line. And here's the beauty is I know that there are people in there that have never prayed. And now they know the prayers by heart. And, and they are so proud to say, I don't know if she, I know it by heart. And they're so proud of that. And so I'm thinking, these people are coming, people that have never prayed and are praying every day. And then when they leave, what intentions do you want us to pray for? They know they're being prayed for. Because I've had people come back and say, uh, I'll never forget, Patty left. And I said, hey, do you have any intentions you like us to pray for? She said, yeah, I'm looking for a job. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't survive. I'm living in my car. I said, absolutely. Patty will pray for you. She leaves 15 minutes later. She comes back through the exit. She goes, you got to pray for me now. She said, I got an interview tomorrow. So she goes, pray now. I go, okay, Patty, we'll pray now for you. But that's how important it was for her. You got to pray now because I've got an interview. And I'm thinking, how about they counted on us for that? I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's what this place for. The food is so secondary right? I always joke about being the bait and switch. We bait them with a great dinner, but what they get is a glimpse of what the love of Christ looks like because they're not looking for it, but then they see it and they recognize it. Wow. You guys, I mean, truly are the hands and feet of Christ. That is the coolest thing. I love how the prayer just evolved for them and you guys into something so much more. That's so incredible. So how many days a week do you guys serve now? Uh, 365. We're open every day of the year. And uh, we started um, just being open two days a week and then added days that we would get volunteers and cooks and such because all of our cooks are volunteers. So as we would add a cook or two, we would open another day. Cindy, when you look back, and, and it's funny that when I asked you to do this, you said, I didn't even think of this be an act of bravery or anything. When you look back and you just spent 30 plus minutes here sharing your story, what do you think prepared you or made you feel like you could be courageous? What would you say collectively looking back just made you take those steps? I don't know. I think um, I still, honestly, it's so funny, Jennifer. I still look at it as being courageous is, um, when things that go well here, it's because of trust um, and surrender. I don't even really, the, the courageous, I can't, I just can't think of myself as being that, but, um, but trusting and surrender. And I, I guess, cause I'm a very, I, I know I struggle with pride and, and the, oh, I can do this. And it's so funny that hit me in the face a couple of times where I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this. God's doing this. 
You know, I know I can't because I know when I've done it, I can screw it up so easily. But when God does it, it's flawless. It's flawless and beautiful. And um, I've been blessed to be humble many, many, many times thinking I, you know, I had this, that I could do this. And God loves me so much that he humbles me and lets me see his power, you know, is so much bigger than what I could ever be. Mm. It, it makes me think of that. Um, you, you said, who am I? And it made me think of that song by Need to Breathe, Who Am I? Which I love. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs out right now. And he says, you grow your roses on my barren soul. And I think that's so fitting for the Mary Rose mission. And God just wants to grow so much beauty in us. And we have no idea, but I think you just hit, you just hit it. It's trust and surrender. And again, a quality that's not encouraged Mm -hmm. in our world today. We've got a really step to the true source to be able to, to know even how to surrender. Cindy, how do you think this, (laughs) this is an obvious question, I think, but how has this changed your family, the future of your family because of your yes? Um, I've been lucky that my kids will volunteer here occasionally and they see, and I'll never forget my um, youngest um, because some, because it's it's a challenge because of the balance, right? Because if I'm like working like the, the last year on Christmas Day morning, we had a drain back up. So I had to come into work, you know, and um, and then but you don't want your family to be resentful, you know, right? You know, so you want them to to understand and never feel like that. Obviously, the Mary Rose mission isn't more important than family. Mary would never, the Blessed Mother would never have that. The Mary Rose mission is more important for, than family. She just wouldn't allow that to happen. So I always keep keep that in mind, but I'll never forget my youngest. Um, so here we go. We open, right? And we have done rehearsals. We have done, we've got it. We have practiced. We've done t- I mean, we were so ready. We are so organized. We were so ready because we are a bunch of anal mothers that opened up this place, you know? And so we were ready and we open up and it is, it is a rainy mixed with snow day. And we opened up our doors. And again, um, we're all picturing grand, uh, have greens of dream. There's going to be a line around to the street and there's going to be hundreds of people here and it's going to be a great party and it's going to be awesome. And six people came and six people. And we had all of us there. We had cooked for 150 people, this beautiful meal and six people came. And I had the newspaper here to take pictures and to show it was humbling to say the least because we were about two hours and the six people that were there were embarrassed because they're like oh it'll be better they're like encouraging us and because we're thinking oh my like what of all this and six people right and I'm thinking I got to keep it together I'm the executive director so I'm like oh it's great it's okay and you know we we close our doors we start on the dishes and everybody is so discouraged I mean discouraged and heartbroken that here we are and six people come and even the even the inquiry she's like well I think it'll probably develop and she even felt sorry for us and she even said she goes do you mind there's another story that I can go to I'm like no I totally get it you don't want to be here you know but I go home and I'm so depressed I'm so sad I'll never forget my youngest is now in college and she called me because she knew she said hey I wanted to see how it went I had tears I had my voice was broken I said Olivia and I said 
six people came. I mean, are you kidding me? After all of this, six people? I said, I'm embarrassed. And I mean, she goes, oh my gosh, mom, God brought six people that needed to see God's love. She said, it's not about the numbers. Those six people left there seeing God's love. She goes, why is that bad? And then I was like, oh my gosh, then I was embarrassed and humiliated from my daughter. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Olivia, I'm looking at the numbers and you're right. It's not about the numbers, you know, but my youngest daughter had to, was brave enough and honest enough to, and see that that was the answer. It's not the numbers, but my youngest told me that. And I thought, okay, this is, you're right. This is good. So I think our family has seen, I mean, I've got a daughter who was working here a lot until her family started to grow. And um, like I said, my husband's president. And so working together on this and seeing us work together, it's just, I see my uh, one daughter who's a therapist and I see that my kids, my other, my oldest daughter teaches emotional behavior disorder kids. I see my, my children naturally reaching out to help people. And I think, oh my gosh, that's a good thing, right? If, if I, I've always said to my kids, I don't care if you're a ditch digger, just be a holy ditch digger. I don't care what you do online, just be holy. Your job is to become a saint. That's it. That's all. You just have to find that way. So, you know, and so I, and I see them and I hear them say that. I remember, you know, mom and dad always told us that we had to be a saint. I go, well, heck yeah. You know, that, that's your job. And so I think I feel blessed that I get to do what I do. And to be an example of what it means to just to answering God's call. That's all. You just answer God's call. Whatever it is, you just say yes. Cindy, that's why I needed you on this show today. You have inspired me so much. I mean, every I'm sitting here taking notes and so many things you said were just so beautiful to hear for, to be the mom of our family and answering God's call and I feel like we just went, we closed something that I heard from our priest a couple weeks ago. He said to me, humility and gratitude are the ingredients for joy. If you don't have those, you don't have joy. And I'm I'm hearing your story and six people arriving when you hoped for more was a lesson in humility. And the man and probably countless others telling you his personal story of just needing to pray for no rain. And that teaches gratitude and so many pieces have come together for those major ingredients that we don't always pause to reflect on humility and gratitude. And I'm sure you would (laughs) never deny that that brings some true joy. Oh my gosh. It's overwhelming how joyful, how joyful life is really. I didn't, I mean, people say, you know, be happy. And, and I'm thinking there is so much more, so much more um, to be joy. And you don't know joy until you experience God and his power and his love for you. You just don't know it, you know, unfortunately. And that's, I feel like that's our job. We just got to share it. If you've got it, you've got to share it. And you got to share it with others for sure. Mm. Thank you for stepping up to be a brave mom for sharing this with our community right here. You're exactly right. We forget what is happening five minutes from our door. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing light to that. I, I want to transition to our last question, which is, of course, from a together game together for date night. 
Cindy, how would your family describe the qualities you had as a child that made you into the person you are today? It's so funny. And, and oh my gosh, my poor mother. Um, I think I was um, two things. Uh, if I believed, I just didn't give up. If there was something that I believed, I didn't give up. And I just will not give up. I won't let go and I won't give up. I know we're I'm trying to open a shelter still. And I've been working on this for like five years. And I had a priest friend. He goes, hey, what's ever come with that shelter? And he said, have you stopped that idea? And I said, oh my gosh, no. I'm still working you know, in the political arena trying to get that approved. And he said, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm not even giving up. And he said, he said, gosh, if that were me, I would have given up a while ago. And my niece was there and she's like, well, that's why God put it on her heart and not yours. You know, so I think that the, uh, the idea of not giving up. And also, I remember my mom saying, don't be a pest. And I was a pesty child. So I'm not afraid to ask people, you know, I'm not afraid to pester people like you got to do this. You got to you got to see this place. It's fantastic. You've got to come here. You like to cook. We cook better than anybody. You, nobody enjoys your food more than us. I'm not afraid to, to pester people if I know it's for God at all. So I would think those probably are the things. Actually, as a mother, as a parent, probably not the best qualities of never letting go and being a pest. But as an adult, I feel like it has been one of my greatest gifts. Ah, that is so... I just... Yeah, God definitely chose you for a reason when you say that. I love seeing all the pieces come together. And Cindy, I don't know if you remember when I taught Claire, you gave me a book at Christmas time as a teacher gift, The Power of a Praying Parent. Oh, yes. Yeah. What a great book, right? Uh Yeah. You inspired me so much. I was pregnant with my first child, Anna. Wow. So that was so, I mean, that's so neat. You planted those seeds. You have really inspired me in so, so many ways, Cindy, as a mother of my own family. I mean, I just, I really look up to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to close with two things here. Um, The first one is where would people find you if they want to contact you, ask you any questions? You can go to uh, Mary Rose Mission website, www.maryrosemission.org, or email maryrosemission at gmail. I know that you guys rely on your donors and everybody volunteering. Please tell everybody how they can help you, even from afar. Okay, so if you would like to um, help support us, uh, we would love we would love your help. We need the help of many people to keep this ministry going. Uh, you can contact us by our website www.maryrosemission.org and there's a button on there that you can donate or if you'd even like more information that would be great since this is our brave mom series about the book of joshua i i want to close with joshua 24 15 is the verse that says as for me and my house we will serve the lord and i that is so clear and evident every step of the way that you just kept falling full force into the arms of Christ and our father's love. And it's a beautiful story and witness as to what happens when we truly do serve our Lord. Cindy, I'd love for you to close with one of the prayers that you guys say at the mission. Oh, that would be great. Um, the, my favorite is, of course, radiating Christ. Like I said, Mother Teresa, I, I heard this. I was actually attended one of their private masses. And when I was visiting Grenada, our mission in Grenada, and they have a 
uh, missionaries of charity place there where they take care of the elderly. And when they, when I heard this prayer, I just fell in love with it. I said, do you have that in print? I would love that. And they looked at me like I had four heads um, because they just prayed every day. And then I found it. So here is the prayer. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance wherever I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine is to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you and the way you love best by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful prayer to really end this Brave Mom series. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And it's beautiful. Thank you for being here, Cindy, and taking time during this holiday week. Oh, my pleasure. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.